I wonder if you might just uh, reach on your seat and grab one of these, either or, and share them with someone around about. Uh, maybe you could just have, take one with you. There's more on the, the tables on the way out if you don't have one, because I would love everyone in this room and online listening to get their hands on either the brochure or the little card or both. And I wonder if we might just pause for a moment. Yeah, I know, forewarning, 10 seconds. And if you looked at these four activities, these four postures, rest, act, share, and immerse, um, which one of these do you love the most and why? Would you just maybe turn to someone around you, or maybe just in the cluster you came with, and just say, which is the one you love the most and why? Just 30 seconds, have a think, and a quick brief chat with one another now. If you're listening online, you can talk to yourself, or maybe if there's someone with you, have that same conversation. Fantastic. Terrific. I would encourage you to continue on that conversation. The only thing that I would love more than anything else this morning, apart from this room being filled with everyone to hear what's being said, because I just loved that video before. I loved when I was thinking about all the different activities for next week, and I loved what the conversation was just now. I sat there with a sore neck because I've been nodding my whole way through this morning. There's been so many things I've been resonating with, and so I hope you'll continue to nod with me in what I'm about to share, and I won't take things down, but rather continue on in that same thread, because today I want to talk about the idea of you embracing a way of life that's defining for yourself, your family, your friends, your community. And I wonder if Jesus might want to say something profoundly, again, either by way of reminder or first time for you today, in relation to that which we are talking about this morning. A couple of weeks ago, I was out jogging. I don't run anymore. I jog. And as I was passing someone's house um, just up in Ringwood East, I, as I was running past, I noticed their green grass. And I've seen that green grass before when I've passed their way. Some of you know this green grass because you live in this area. I reckon it's the best green grass in Victoria. So I actually stopped because it was at the end of a long summer jogged on over, walked over, and I actually crouched down. I did not worship it, but I crouched down and I touched it, and I thought, what kind of grass is this that does this? Well, little did I know that the owner of the property was just standing right there. <laughs> and I looked up and he said, g'day. I said, g'day, it's your grass. What, what, what are you doing with this grass? This is the best grass in Victoria. And he goes, yeah, I know other people have said that too. Well, we just began a conversation 
He went on and he said, I love the insects in here. I said, you know, I love the insects too, but for a different reason. Um, I said, because I'm a fly fisherman and, and I loved imitating flies on the insects on the water. And he goes, no. He said, my best friend has just gone north. He's an older man, probably about 15 years older than me, a re retired builder. And he said, you know what? I, I've been learning to fly fish. And he said, you know... <laughs> Do you reckon that you could take me fly fishing with you? <laughs> and I went, oh, I think I've just made a friend. <laughs> I said, no, you can't come. I fish by myself. <laughs> and then from there, I looked up and I said, you know, your, your weather boards, I reckon, are like the best weather boards I have ever seen. And he said, come on over. And so for the next 45 minutes for an hour, he showed me the trade secrets that even the trades people don't know about how to have the best weather boards that do not suck water at all. At the end of that conversation, as I left for my second jog now, because I had entirely and completely recovered, I jogged away from that moment with someone's words in my head. An older gentleman statesman that said this to me one time, Troy, the kingdom of heaven is built on a series of seemingly wasted cups of coffee. You see, from a Jesus perspective, we're not starting here with people anymore in Victoria or Australia. We're starting way back here when it comes to just the everyday building of friendship and being available to others around. I got home and Bron was like, where have you been? I said, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> For an hour, I got taken around this person's house I just met. And all it started with was leaning down, not worshipping, leaning down and touching the grass. And one presumption. That God is at work all around us. And the challenge of a Jesus person is to make enough room and space in their life to hear the prompting and the nudging of God and to take out a step and go with it. I wonder what that might mean for each of us today. You see, when first followers of Jesus were described, they were called people of the way. Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and life. And so a number of years ago, we began to think here at New Community about what would be four activities or four ways to describe what a Jesus person would look like here on earth. And so we came up with four, immerse, rest, share, and act. It kind of went like this, that if I was at a party and the speeches were about to happen in a minute's time and someone said to me, you're a Christian, you're a Jesus person, what does that mean? I would Biddle off something like this. It means I make Jesus my reference point for life. It also means that I believe that everything I have is ultimately his and that I'm here as part of his agency to actually redistribute the resources I have for other people's good because there's so much inequity in the world around about. And it also means that I will act when I see things of injustice in my local world, in my wider world, in, my, in, in the global world around about and to sustain that kind of life. I need to fall into a pattern of rest so that I can actually make it and endure to the end. That's what I would say, and that's what we began. 
So last week we talked about the two things that I call the below the surface issues. That is, if you're thinking about a tree, the roots sink down into the soil, they soak up the water and the nutrients so they can produce strong, sturdy branches and trunks and flowers on the outside. In fact, we described it a little bit like this. The words of Jesus, remain in me and I will remain in you. That's where I get my, if you like, my my guidance, my direction, uh, the, the capacity, the power to actually do the work that he's calling me as a Jesus follower to do. In fact, we thought about this way of life kind of being like a lattice. It doesn't make the growth, it just directs the growth and sustains it. And so I wonder this morning, because my goal in all of this, no matter if you're watching this online or more so here with us this morning, I would like you, just to be really clear, (laughs) I want you to embrace the way of life as though it is your own. And I would love you to actually embrace it and make it your own for the rest of your life. So that you'll be known, if you dare to be a Jesus follower, as someone who gets into the habit and the pattern of immersing, resting, sharing, and acting, because I believe that is the only way that this world is going to be transformed. When the God who made it breaks forth into your life and your heart and your mind, and you give him your hands and your feet, your body, your all, to serve him. And you can see I'm just trying to hold myself back this morning from blowing my lid. (laughs) So I want to look at the first one this morning, share What does it look like to share? Because when Lindy first looked at this one, she put down these words, who will you stop for? When Lindy first described this with cups of tea and coffee, it made perfect sense. Because one of the most profound things that Ash said before is that if you give your time to someone else in such a small way, it can be so profoundly powerful. Who will you stop for? You see, when I think about this whole idea of share, Jesus' life is a shared life. Jesus' life is a shared life. I love it when Jesus' cousin by the name of John was calling people to this movement that his cousin Jesus had been talking about. God's life is in breaking here in this earth, in these earthly dimensions. So do an about face, repent. And he was baptizing people, immersing them, not only into that idea, but into the very way and movement of Jesus. And so after they were getting out of the water, this is not supposed to happen. You're supposed to figure this stuff out beforehand. After they were getting out of the water, the people around asked him, John that is, what does it mean now that we've been immersed into this way of Jesus? And this is what he said to them. There's the question. First thing he said to the crowds was, I want you to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That is, don't just make your commitment lip service. Make it actually something you do from the heart. And then he responded to that question. He said, what should we do then? They called out to him and he responded in this way. John answered, anyone who has two shirts. I love this. Anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. I love these words. And when I first read them years ago, they undid me because it makes so much sense. If you have two things of something and you see someone who has none, what does Jesus want you to do? (laughs) He wants you to get one of those things and give them to the person who doesn't. Can I explain that again to you? Because this, I, I know it took me a while to understand this. 
If you have two of something and you see someone who has none, it took me a while. You take one that you have and you give it to the person who has none and you both have one each. Let me say that again because it takes a little while to sink in. This is what the Jesus life looks like. If you see someone who has none and you have 22 coats in your closet, because we do, you just take one of those and you give them to one who doesn't. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I used to be a high school teacher. This is the math of God. This is the math, maths, Australia, kingdom of heaven. If you have 22 jackets in your closet and you see someone who has none, take one of them and give them away to the person who doesn't. It's pretty leveling, isn't it? You see, that's when we started 20 years ago at New Community, 20th anniversary this year. We started with a car wash because we said we want to drill this down into Jesus' followers' heads, is that you serve other people. That's actually part of being part of the Jesus life. And so we started off with car washes and then it extended from there. It tipped over into a financial partnership fund where we have 12, 15, it was $18,000, where we said to you, would you use this money to distribute it to people in your workspaces, in your schools, in your community that are struggling and can't pay a bill? I, I was chatting with someone just uh, two days ago, and they said, the person at my work still remembers when your community paid for their bill because they fell on hard times. Now, that person hasn't come knocking on the doors to say, I would like to become part of new community. That's not what it's about. It's actually about doing Jesus things. And so he says, He's, this lady still talks about the way in which you, new community, gave your resource and finance to someone in need. And I love that. I spoke to another minister of a church just two days ago, and he said, you know, in two weeks' time, our church, for the first time, it's over in the north. He says, we're doing that thing you do called engage. Our church is doing that now because of what new community has done. I said, when are you doing it? They said, next week. I went, get out. That's when we're doing it too. How about you get us and tell us what you've done and how it was, and, and, and we'll do the same for you. I love that. You see, when we first started 20 years ago, this idea of sharing was so core and fundamental to what we did that we wanted to keep it going. When we started off in East Timor and building schools, I'll get there in a minute, we did that because there was need around about. I love the idea that there's still a group of people here who are four-wheel driving down in East Gippsland. I spoke to one of the ministers of a church down there who said, there's a list of things and word gets out in the community that some people coming down from Melbourne and they fix fences because of the bushfires. He says that word gets out around. It's not about just the word getting out around. It's actually about this two plus zero equals one plus one. I love that because it makes so much sense. And so I wonder this morning, as you are thinking about what does it mean for me to embrace a life of sharing, step back, pull back at the very beginning and ask yourself, what would it mean for me to make myself, my, all of my life available to Jesus and say, here I am, how would you like me to buy into generosity? 
And this doesn't just extend, if you like, from the physical things that we have, because I love this other passage in the Bible where Paul's writing to a group of Jesus followers, and he says these words to them. He said, instead, when we came to you, we weren't proud and arrogant and haughty. We were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. And then he goes on and he says this, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the good news about Jesus, but our very lives as well. I wonder if you scale yourself on one to 10 right now, on the generosity sharing side, just this posture of being open, where would you rank yourself? Now, some of you are in situations where you go, I am busting to the limits. I'm just holding my life together. That's okay. You don't have to burden this on and say, oh, I've got to do all these other things. I'm just talking about posturing your heart. What would it look like if God nudged you this morning and said, I want you to move from whatever the number is up one? What would that look like for you? Because Jesus, when he says, come and follow me, he wants you to be caught up in something bigger than ourselves. Share. We understand share? That makes so much sense, doesn't it? I love this part. And then we looked at the next one. And it's called boots and all. I love this, boots and all. Because boots and all requires boots and all. It's got to do with acting. I will act when I see things of injustice around about me. And I'll do it with humble gutsiness. Because it's so easy to repeat the same injustices again without positioning yourselves if you like, on the margins and looking in because that entirely shifts the conversation when you identify with the people around about you. And the hard one about acts is because the mercy one and sharing is nice and easy because it can be a kind thing. The acting about injustice is actually often to do with systemic change that requires far more elongated and protracted, if you like, action towards. If you want to know what gets up God's goat, just read some of his prophets. Micah 6.8 says this, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? He says, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote it like this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. If you like, there's this sense in which being a Jesus follower invites you to buy into what God's heart is for the world. You want to know what it is? Immerse yourself in Jesus. And pretty quickly, what gets up God's goat will get up yours as well. You see, in a number of different ways over the years, we have been trying to actually buy into that at New Community. That's why initially when we began to have some contact with people on the ground in East Timor, and we asked Kirsty Guzmao, the uh, first lady of East Timor, East Timor, what do we do to help? They said, best way to pull out nations out of poverty is to educate so we partnered with a local church and we began to actually be part of the scheme that they were doing. Four schools were built. But as part of that, actually, there was all of these different roll-offs. There was ladies we found experiencing domestic violence and so we funded those things. 
And then we sent people over to observe and see what was happening so we could actually learn ourselves. That's why we're involved in Laos. Because when they dropped bombs into Vietnam, they dropped more bombs in Laos that are unexploded. At the rate in which they will be cleaned up will take another hundred years. And so our small way, when we found there were some people working on the ground there, planting little mulberry saplings so they could actually pick the leaves to feed the grubs so they could spin silk so they could have sustainable communities, we said yes. Why? Because at the heart of God is this idea that he wants a world that's being replaced by justice and equity. And as a Jesus follower... He invites you to partner with him in doing just that. You see, that's why I love this way of life. <laughs> I love it. It's because it narrows my focus. It invites people to say, actually, it's not just the Jesus people who can do this. Others can as well. But it's incumbent upon a Jesus person all the more. There's a minister, a Methodist minister by the name of Donald Soper. He uh, lived during the 1900s. Gifted sportsman, cricketer, killed someone bowling, pulled back, can't do that anymore. Joined the labour movement, was a teetotaler, anti-gambler and pacifist. He used to speak on BBC and out there in Hyde Park. This is how he describes what the Jesus life is about. He says this, Before the church challenges anybody else to accept its faith in God, it must declare what is the Christian form of social life and must refuse to support any other. I want men, product of the time, and women to know that by giving their allegiance to Christianity, they will be embarking upon a great campaign to banish war and poverty and injustice, to overthrow the false and corrosive doctrines of state, empire and race purity, and to set up a communal life where love and service have taken the place of selfishness and armed might. But just as important, I want the church which sends out this manifesto to be the advanced copy of that new world that it preaches. I love that. And I read those words, I stand up straight, my hair stand on the back of my neck, and I say, I want to be part of a movement like that. You see, when Jesus calls people to follow him, he doesn't call you to just join a church. He invites you to get caught up in a cause that's bigger than yourself, where your little life story gets caught up in his bigger, grander story so that you can actually be filled up to looking up and saying, that's what I'm here for. That's the cause that I'm working towards. I think part of our challenge is not that we've raised the bar too high, is that we've set the bar too low. And when Jesus says, come, he says, come, and someone else's word, bid you die. Give all of yourself, give all of your life, come and embrace my way. Am I getting too excited? I wonder if we need to think this morning and listen to what God might say to you. I want to talk to anyone who's below the age of 25 right now. God's calling you to something bigger than yourself. 
And I believe that if you attach your life to that cause, it will have continuity with the age to come. Because one day he's putting it to right. And he wants you to be part of being an agent of change that pushes back injustice, that redistributes mercy, and has a calling and an invocation on your life that's actually part of that. I'm sorry if we've set the bar not high enough but too low for you. Because following Jesus involves a way of hardship and challenge and costliness. That will cost you your all. But that's what he did for us. So I wonder this morning, if you need to hear the words again as you're getting pulled in every different direction in your life, the words of Jesus, come and follow me. Come on up, Peter. Because I wonder if God's spirit might be speaking to you this morning. And resetting something in you. And resetting something in you. Yes, it's good to be caught up in his church, his family. Don't get me wrong. But you're caught up in something bigger. That he's doing. His kingdom. And one day, as Jesus' people are in the habit of reciting this prayer... Because it goes like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That you've heard those words as a prayer for something in the future. Rather than understanding that that's a prayer of allegiance for the present. That one day will be fulfilled here on earth. When he comes. So as you hear these, this tune, as you hear these words, I wonder if he's inviting you to pray these words in a different way. We're coming out of COVID, still not there yet. Let's not miss the bigger call. Do you need a reset this morning? What is the Spirit saying to you? So maybe by way of response, you might want to posture your hands open. And your prayer might be, Jesus... I want to pray this prayer afresh with new energy, new purpose, new direction, new life. I posture myself now to that. May your kingdom come through me every day of my life for the rest of my days. Come. I wonder what the Spirit is saying to you.
What is he inviting you to pick up? What is he inviting you to put down? If you're a Jesus person here and you've never made it public, you need to make it public. Be baptized. If you're a Jesus follower and you haven't been that in the workplace, be it in the workplace. Respond to what he's saying to you today. And join me in his awesome way of life.